Hello again and welcome to the Hawkesbury Gazette's podcast for the March 13 edition. I'm Christina Pollard and we're so close to the state election that the ballot draw has been held, pre-poll voting's now open and candidates are cantering around the final bend of the race to the finish line. So in the lead up to March 23, I'm joined by the last of our candidates to appear on our podcast and that's Shane Jurek of the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party. Shane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. No, no problems at all. We started all the podcasts of the series with this question. Tell us a little bit about yourself and do you live in the Hawkesbury and what are your ties to the area? Yeah, I live in the Hawkesbury. I was born at Windsor Hospital in Cragnish there. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Real local. Certainly, yep. <laughs> I've been a part of the community for nearly 47 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum's my mum was in the area uh, as a young girl, so she's been a part of the oh, area for wow. a long time. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm a third generation farmer, mm-hmm. so we're honey producers. We've got a, a small holding in Pitttown, and uh, we've been a part of the community in that respect. Um, plus, I've always had something to do with um, community action groups and bringing awareness to people uh, in government with some issues we have in the area. What, what um, community action groups have you been Well, in 2000 I moved to Kurridjong Heights and I built a house up there and we were there for quite a while and I was part of the Kurridjong Heights uh, community action group mm-hmm. uh, and we worked with council to get some of the things we needed in the area. At one stage we had nowhere where we could buy bread or milk or your staples up there and so we worked with council and we got something sorted so we could have a, a small shop up there. Nice new shop. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. And, um, and that was good. So I've always had a little bit to do with uh, community groups and, and working with council and that sort of stuff and it sort of grew from there um, and I was part of some uh, Western Sydney regional committees where we tried to help people with their issues and brought light to people's issues and that sort of stuff and that's where I come across the, um, the, the, corridor, the green corridor issues um, specifically out at Castle Rain, that sort of stuff. So I was part of the, the movement out there at Raygal and um, trying to get awareness out for the people that were um, struggling there. And this is where um, the, the interest in actually running for politics came from? That's right, yeah. Um, I was handing out for some of the local people over the years and so I, at first it was just helping out friends mm. um, and then I realised that uh, I was interested in, in putting more action into bringing some of the local issues to light. Um, and then I, I did run for a, another party and to get some exposure and to see what it was all about. And then I got into the current party I'm in now where I really think we can do something for the area. Fantastic. So just on that, you've stood on the, the other ticket for local government in the past, the, the Lib Dems. Um, why are you now standing for shooters, fishers and farmers at state level? What, what's the interest in, in this particular party for you? Well, I think uh, first and foremost they're, they're genuine people and to talk to them they really care about your issues and you can sit down sit down with Senator Borzak and he's quite happy to talk to, to you about local issues and, and the guy's genuine and that's what grabbed me. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, in my opinion, they're one of the fastest growing parties in the state uh, and they're really out there trying to make a difference, and, and that's what was exciting for me. Uh, when I was looking for a party that I thought would, would represent our views, um, they really struck me as someone that cared, and they interviewed me to see if I was a worthwhile candidate, to see if I was genuine, and likewise, to their surprise, I interviewed them to make sure they were going to back me 110% uh, in, in looking after the people of the Hawkesbury. Uh, and I think they do care, and I think that's um, that's great. They're... They've got the views, like an independent, they really care about the people uh, and they care about the word of the people and they're right in there amongst the issues. But the difference is with the shooters, fishers and farmers, uh, they're a party. They're a small party, so they care. But they've got party nows and they've got party push and um, they can do what, what's needed for the Hawkesbury. Mm. 
Well, we're going to get um, straight into some of the questions that our readers have been submitting on social media. We, we do this every week with our candidates that have come in. So, you know, it's really we're, we're just sort of being the, the forum for people to ask some questions. And um, there's a couple of questions. Robert and Jeff have asked nearly the same thing, and I think this relates to, to the party. Um, Robin wants to know, why is your party wanting everyone in Australia to hold a gun licence and a right to have arms? And Jeff has asked, does he support everyone's right to hold arms? So how do you respond to that? Yeah, look, I don't think that's the case. We certainly don't want everyone to have a gun. Um, and I want to make it crystally clear that, that we don't want American-style gun laws here. Right, we're, just, yeah, yeah. we're a broad party and we look after lots of people. And just part of our policy is that we're trying to maintain the rights of, of Firearms owners, legal, law-abiding uh, firearms owners. It's just a small part of our party. Uh, we definitely don't want everyone to have a gun. Could you imagine someone just coming out of jail and someone running up and giving them a gun? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the issue is, well, because we're looking after those sorts of interests, we're also very hard on gun crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're the only party fighting for mandatory sentencing for serious gun crime. Uh, if you took the government's attitude towards uh, gun crime and applied it to driving, uh, we'd be removing all the sober drivers off the road to give drunk drivers free reign of the road. And that's what's happening. They're, they're not looking at illegal gun crime. Every time there's illegal gun crime, they come out and they tout that they're going to be cracking down on firearms owners and making it hard for the already law-abiding citizens. But they're not taking on illegal gun crime. So either they don't know how to handle it or they don't care. But we're out there and we want to protect... Uh, the little bit of rights that firearms owners have. So we're going to be very hard on uh, any sort of illegal gun crime or anything like that. So, so when you say that, you know, you're going to be taking on illegal gun, gun crime, have you, you know, what, what are some of the, the policies or the solutions that, that you guys are putting forward in relation to that? Are you tightening up, you know, I don't know, uh, police checks or are you tightening, tightening up, you know, searches or, or what, what's been put Well, we've forward? got... We've already got balances and, and checks in place and I, and I think that works for... for the law-abiding citizens that are getting their, their licences. Um, and I think what we need to do now is crack down on illegal gun crime. Um, and that's where we need to be putting our effort. There, there should would be you be giving sentencing. more powers to police, or how, how would you actually do that? Well, we just need tougher sentencing. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've got, like I say, we've got balances and measures in place that are working fine. And, and to come out and say that they're cracking down on, on firearms... Uh, license holders, it's just a waste of time and it's just fluffy policy and it looks good to the average person that doesn't know what's going on really. Mm. Um, so that's what we need to be doing okay. there. Well, I think that's cleared that up for Robin and Jeff. Uh, Edward wants to know what you think about train lines. He's asked, Shane, do you think it would be better to build a train line from Hornsby to Richmond and on to Penrith, then to the new airport, then on to Campbelltown? And that would and that would ring the city. So I suppose that we're sort of going through all the way through, um, you know, Western Sydney and onto the new airport. What, what do you think about that? Well, firstly, I think train lines are a great thing. Public transport. We need more of it, and we certainly need to be duplicating the line uh, from Richmond. I uh, think everybody uh, agree yeah, with that. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely need more public transport there. We need to be mm. looking at that. Mm. But this, this from Hornsby, uh, like a, a ring train line mm-hmm. out to the airport and, and back to the city, uh, to me it's very much like the, um, this M9 corridor they're pushing and I think it's very bad planning and I don't think it was well thought out and we've got several different departments and someone's drawn a line on, on a map and it's ruining people's lives and we've got another department coming through 18 months later saying that it can't be done but for that 18 months I mean we really ruined people's lives 
Uh, and I've spoken to people that have contemplated suicide over what's going on with this whole uh, M9 corridor debacle wow. and the lands acquisition. And there's a lot of things we need to be taking a look at um, to bring it back to generally representing the people. Sure, we need infrastructure and we need forward planning. Um, and I think we've got like emergency planning now. There's no real forward planning. Then they want to draw a line on a map and say, this is what we need. We need to be getting out there and talking to the community and working together to see what we need to minimise the impact on people and, and their land. And if someone is impacted, well, they need to be paid out properly um, to put as little pressure on their lives as possible. Mm. So, yep, yeah, sure, we need more trains, but we need to look at it properly, appropriately. Uh, there needs to be community discussions um, so to minimise the impact. But a priority uh, of yours maybe might be then to duplicate the Richmond rail line. If you got in, would you be lobbying oh, hard yeah, for that? Yeah, absolutely. We do need to do more about that and I will be looking at that and see what we can do. Uh, mm. We'll lobby for a duplication of the train line, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. I'm definitely not going to willy-nilly draw a line through a map uh, to say we need a highway, eight-lane highway and, and a train line next to it. No, we need, need to be doing the appropriate steps. So are you disappointed with the way that planning's been being done at the moment in this area or just across New South Wales? Yeah, I am disappointed. Uh, We're sitting out there in the traffic all the time. Very shortly, it'll be quicker to walk to Windsor from 20 kilometres out than drive your car. We really have had no forward planning um, since the late 40s and it's definitely something we need to look at. Mm, Along with consultation, I guess. Absolutely. Um, just on another another issue, and I know Simon, thank you very much again for, for sending in your question. Simon would like to know, what do you think about mental health in the Hawkesbury area? And I think we've discussed this with a few candidates now. Right, and yeah. The services available to people. Wow, mental health. Mental health is grossly, grossly underfunded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to be doing a lot more about that and, and something now. Uh, we seem to be seeing a, a lot more homelessness now with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And we, we can't just build a home for these people. They need support and they need ongoing support. Uh, and this stuff's expensive and that's why the government doesn't touch it. But we can throw, you know, I think we're looking at $2 billion at stadiums uh, and we're totally neglecting people that need help for mental health. Now, these people are homeless through no fault of their own. Uh, they, they've got this issue and they need help, and they're the type of people we need to be looking after. You know, maybe give a stadium upgrade a miss or something and put more money towards that. Mm. But they need ongoing help, ongoing support. Uh, and, I mean, when you look at the support that's out there now, there's very little of it. Sure, if you've got plenty of money, there's mental support out there if you can pay for it. But for the average person, there's very little help. Uh, and even under the Medicare system, you get five... Uh, visits a year under mental health and under an intensive program if your doctor will sign that you only get 10 visits a year Mm. under um, an intensive program. An intensive program I think you know if if you're having an intensive program you might need more than 10 to begin with. Absolutely Mm. you do yeah Mm. that's right and even a lot of the the places now that are even doing that you need the money up front and then you've got to try and claim it on Medicare. What can state government do about that realistically? I mean you know this is something that falls under the, the federal government remit um, would you know? Could you perhaps lobby for something that, that could be done for this, or could the state be doing something about it for hospitals? I mean, I, I don't know how much a state candidate could do for this. Oh, I think we can lobby for more funding, particularly at hospitals. Uh, we definitely need to be lobbying for for more funding for hospitals, for sure, and mm. particularly in the Hawkesbury. Uh, I think the Hawkesbury Hospital is lacking in a few areas there. What do you think about the major parties' announcements for the, the new hospital? That, you know, the, All these Rouse Hill Labor said they're going to build a public one. The Liberals have already had photos taken at a new site. 
Um, do you want to see that happen or would you rather see something happen at Hawkesbury Hospital? Or? Well, look, a, a hospital's always a good thing, but I don't think when you stand there and you say, we're delivering for the Hawkesbury, we're going to put a hospital in Rouse Hill, I don't think it's an awesome thing. Uh, we're quite a big area. We've got a lot of people. We've got 65,000 people in the area. And you don't want to be on the outskirts uh, of the Hawkesbury and trying to get to Rouse Hill for, for something that you really need. I recently spoke to a lady that had a, 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 an incident, a brain injury, and they ferried her around the place. She went out to Penrith, and then they mm. had to send her off to Westmead because mm. they didn't have the, the appropriate um, things there to help her with that. And she rang me on that, and she said that's one of the things that she'd like me to look at for more funding for Hawkesbury Hospital because it was um, horrendous for her to be ferried around all day in an ambulance, and, and she really needed help straight away. Mm. Uh, so definitely, you know, fighting for more funding for the Hawkesbury were a big area. We need something central. Hawkesbury Hospital is central, so we need as many services as we can centrally to our area. It's no good shipping people all over the place. And I've even got a family member suffering with cancer at the moment. They went to Norwest to have a large part of their liver taken out. And now they're, they're on their way to Penrith all the time for chemo. chemo. And Miss Preston said, we've just got new chemo beds at Hawkesbury Hospital, but I don't know what's going on there because we're not utilising them. And uh, this family member was going through um, Hawkesbury Hospital and went through the wrong section, and there's whole sections that are empty and not being utilised. So clearly it's a lack of funding. Yep, we might have the beds, but we've got no one there to help people use them. So you'd like to see sort of more particularly, you know, oncology and, and that kind of services in the Hawkesbury come to the Hawkesbury? Well, we need whatever services are going to help people get what they need here centrally in the Hawkesbury. Oh, absolutely. Um, so this is another issue that's come up a few times. Uh, we've asked several candidates this, actually. been a lot of interest in it. Adrian would like to know, what's your view, your view on pill testing at festivals? This, is, this has been a big issue for um, the Berejiklian government, I know. Well, initially I was opposed to it. Uh, I didn't want to be seen aiding and abetting illegal activity. Um, but in getting around and speaking to the local people at the Hawkesbury, there's a lot of people that are passionate about it, and I've had to go out there and, and learn more about it and, and be more open to what's out there. And a, a big part of my running for politics is representing the views of the people under the Westminster system. We seem to have forgotten that that's what elected members are there for. So in, in part of that, I've had to go out there and learn a bit about pill testing, and mm. it's really opened my eyes. Really? Uh, and if that's what people are looking towards, mm. well, that's what we need to look at. But what's important to me is that we get it right. Okay. Uh, my uncle's a, a psychologist, and, and he had worked for Matthew Tabot Hostel for a long time. Mm -hmm. So he's dealt with a lot of people that have had um, substance abuse issues. Uh, and he said to me that at the moment they, they're testing for uh, what's in the pill, and they mm. can tell you what's in it which is great, but then we also run into the issue of we don't know how much purity of each thing's in there or how strong uh, each item that's in this pill. And we've really got to get it right to make sure we don't put anyone's lives at risk. Mm. If we can do something that saves life, sure, I think it's a fantastic thing, but we need to get it right. Great. It's good to hear that you can actually have a look into an issue and perhaps change your mind in an issue as well. Do you find that you're... Talking to the community, has that happened a few times or is this just sort of one instance? Yeah, there's, there, no, there's been... Of course, there's, there's one or two instances you get out there and talk to the community and it really changes your mind. Um, I've got my own personal political views and, and that's why I'm running for politics because I'm passionate about it. But I can tell you that I leave my, my personal hat at home when, when I'm out there talking to people and I really am all about representing the views of the people. It, I'm not running to represent my views. Mm. And when you're out there, sure... People educate you. People highlight issues that's important to them. And you've really got to get out there and learn uh, more about it so that you can appropriately represent their views. Mm, absolutely. 
so Fiona is asking about another issue that's come up a bit. She has said, what are your thoughts, Shane, on development west of the river? How much should there be? Well, um, <laughs> I big, mean... It is a big question. <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, you know, when it takes you so long to even get across mm. the river, mm. I don't think we need any development at all. We need to get infrastructure first. And, and you look at a lot of uh, countries overseas and they put the infrastructure in, in first before mm. they do development. Um, I, I'd like to see more rights for the landowner. Uh, imagine if you had acreage and you could put a second house in there for your children to live on. Mm. I think that would be uh, amazing. I'd like to see more of that than knocking down acres of trees for, for dense housing. Mm, that's an interesting uh, point. So you'd, you'd like to you know, see something where somebody could have you know, their parents on the same property. Or absolutely, yeah. children on the same yeah. property. Or, mm. That's right. I think at the moment you can do a bit of a granny flat, but it's got to be adjoining to the house. Mm. You know, if you've got and ten acres, it depends on the area, I think. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you've got ten acres, mm. well, put a second house somewhere else on the property, and so they can feel like they've got their own personal life and and, and not hanging off the other house. But yeah, yeah. And what about the, you know the the um, the this is this is related. Fiona actually also asked this about a, a new bridge duplication or bypass of, of well, Richmond. Uh, we definitely need another river crossing. It, mm. it definitely needs to be a bypass. We're, we're clogging up our towns, uh, and I can't see how we're going to make that any better without taking people's homes and, and damaging our history. And we definitely need to look at a bypass. Uh, I think we're still a little bit lucky in this area. There's still some patches of um, original corridor from from the 40s planning mm. that we can utilise. Mm. Uh, I think it definitely has to be a, a bypass, not a duplication. Mm. Yeah, I think the council actually has come out recently and, and voted that way as well, while the RMS is in their very initial stages of consultation, have actually yeah. come out and, and called for a bypass as well. Oh, that's good. So, Fiona, I hope that, cl that clears that up for you as well. Um, Jeff had a second question, actually. He asked, what are your policies for the Hawkesbury redevelopment in, in, of, I think, of infrastructure corridors? Um, and what do you expect to achieve if elected? So I guess we're, we're still addressing these infrastructure corridors. What yeah. realistically can you expect to achieve if you actually take this seat? I think we can achieve a lot. I, I think the shooters, fishers and farmers are going to have balance of power. I think we're going to be able to work with uh, whoever's in power, whatever government's in power at the time, um, to make sure we deliver for the people of the Hawkesbury. And I, I think we should be looking at... Um, utilising existing corridors. I mean, in the 40s we had a government with uh, amazing foresight into the future and they set aside these corridors for future planning so we could have highways once the population increased. Uh, we're, we're now 30 years advanced in population and we've got to be 60 years behind in infrastructure. Um, and we've had successive governments sell off sections of the, um, the Green Corridor, um, uh, no doubt to development friends, I'm only speculating, but... Uh, we've lost sections of the corridor for development and, as I said before, we're lucky we've still got a little bit of that left out this way and we should be utilising it. Mm, use what's there. Yeah, and we definitely need infrastructure. We definitely need to be clearing up the traffic issues. Mm. Um, you know, we've got tradies that are crossing the river all the time. They spend all day busting their backside at work and, and the hardest part of their trip is trying to cross the river to go home. Mm. We have to sort something out now. Absolutely. Richard's made a comment perhaps you need to address, um, I guess, in relation to this, presumably talking about the, the proposal for the Bells Line of Road Castle Ray connection. He says, when asked to support an inquiry into compulsory acquisitions, the Shooters, Shooters Fishers and Farmers Party refused. 
He says they couldn't care less just saying. How, how do you respond to a comment like that? Yeah, Richard, I've heard a little bit about Richard and he's been really hard done by with the government and he's really in a, a bad position. I totally understand um, where Richard's coming from. And, and I come on the scene with one of the particular groups that Richard's a part of. And even before I become a member of the, the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers, I, I reached out to Richard because I was looking that way for, for a genuine party. Mm. Uh, he was anti-Shooters, Fishers and Farmers. And I reached out to him and I, I said, what's your issues, please? And he said, we, we reached out to them and we tried to ask for their help and they didn't respond. Mm -hmm. And then I became a part of the party and I sat down with Senator Borzak and he was shocked. He knew nothing about it. Um, it could have been one of those issues. It might have just gone missing in cyberspace. We've got a lot of office people. We're really not sure what happened mm -hmm. with the emails that he sent across. But I can tell you, Senator Borzak was quite upset with what was going on. And he genuinely cares about the people. And he's put a lot of money into uh, myself and a candidate in this area to represent the views of the people. And I've reached out quite a few times to the group that, that Richard's a part of. And, and, and I've said to them, let's sit down with Senator Borzak. They're representing a lot of the, uh, the groups on the other side of the mountain, the country areas. And if they're calling for a highway over the mountain, obviously the people want it. They need quicker access to, say, services, specialists, medical specialists and that sort of stuff. And because we're, because we're generally representing the views of the people, if they're asking for that over the mountain, they genuinely want it. But I've reached out a few times to the groups and I've said, uh, let's sit down with Senator Borzak and, and let's talk about a, a quicker route over the mountain that doesn't destroy the Hawkesbury. Mm. And uh, I found it difficult with that particular group that Richard's with because they're quite upset. Mm. Um, and I haven't had a great response, but individually when I talk to these people, they're really coming across to the, the shooters, fishers and farmers uh, because we do generally want to work with them and, and let's design something that saves the Hawkesbury, doesn't destroy it. Would you look into something like a, a, an inquiry into compulsory acquisitions? I know there's been, and we've asked other candidates this as well, there's been a little bit of disquiet surrounding how this process actually takes place. Um, I know there's, there's been people even writing into us about WestConnex and a lot of WestConnex involvement in, in you know, the, the local issue as well. Would you support, would you personally support looking at something like that? Oh, absolutely. I think we've got a really big uh, issue with the Acquisitions Act. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, even its very design is flawed uh, to the point where we reduce a person's value of the property um, and then call it uh, fair market value. Mm -hmm. um, and then you force them, well, you're taking the, all their rights off them and you're paying them a small amount uh, compared to what it would have been prior to gazetting the fact that it's going to be a highway. Um, and then if it's uh, worth anything more than what they paid 30 years ago, uh, then they're being hit up for, for tax on that, capital gains. It's really destroying their lives. And then they're not, they can't even have an opportunity to buy another place in the area they've come to love because the, it's substantially reduced in, in their payout. Mm. Um, and I've spoken to, I might have mentioned before, I spoke to people that have generally considered taking their life because their, their lives are ruined. And we have to do something about the Acquisitions Act. It's mm. a terrible act at the moment and we've got to sort it. And, and it's quite important. When it's uh, affecting people that much. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah true, yeah. Uh, Pia would like to know uh, where your preferences are going. So we've, we've pre-polls open now. I'm presuming that you're giving out how to votes. Where are your preferences going? And can you represent the Hawkesbury if you're against the bridge? Uh, she's talking about the Windsor Bridge Replacement Project, which I think you've called a white elephant in the past. Yes. Um, or progress. So 
First of all, I guess her, her, her question's twofold. Where are your preferences going? Well, primarily, uh, we're preferencing other independents. Um, I, I like their views and their, their genuine desire to help the people. So our preferences are uh, primarily going out to other independents. Great. And so, and can you represent all of the Hawkesbury if you're against the Windsor Bridge replacement project? Oh, absolutely. Because the Windsor Bridge uh, isn't there for us and it isn't designed to help traffic flow. And I think this is where we need to get out there and talk to people because there's a lot of confusion about what's going on with the bridge. Um, they're replacing a one-lane bridge with another one-lane bridge, give or take half a lane, that's going to bottleneck at South Creek. So it has nothing to do with traffic flow. And we just had a, a candidates forum on Saturday night and one of the questions that were, was asked was, put your hand up, this is to the candidates, put your hand up if you think that that bridge is going to help traffic flow. And not one person put their hand up uh, and neither did Miss Preston. So uh, outwardly, Miss Preston disagrees with her own party's policy uh, when it comes to helping the area uh, with the bridge. Mm -hmm. It's not going to help traffic flow at all. We need another bridge. It needs to be appropriately placed. This bridge is a waste of money. It's a waste of time. We could have put the money somewhere else and, and had a, a second bridge a river crossing um, in that section and it would have helped traffic. Uh, this is just holding up traffic now with the roadworks and it's a waste of money. It's not going to help traffic at all. Okay. Janelle has asked this of all the candidates um, and she's repeated her question for you on our Facebook page. Does the Hawkesbury candidate for the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party support Western Sydney Airport? Does he support it without a curfew and a flight cap? The federal government approved the environmental impact statement for Western Sydney Airport without designated flight paths. Do you approve of that? Well... Yes, so there's three parts, so let's, yeah. let's go through them. So do you support um, Western Sydney Airport? Well, not entirely. Um, well, I can cover it all. I mean, sadly, people vote Labor and Liberal like robots and never elect people with answers nor bother to read what the people in these parties really stand for. At the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers, we pride ourselves in listening and acting on behalf of our constituents. Personally, I believe that the new airport is flawed planning. Uh, we should have done, what we should have done was extend operations at Port Botany site and move the shipping cargo handling to Newcastle mm -hmm. with a rail link to the, the Sydney area in the outer west. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you ask me, no, I've never been in favour of Badgerys Creek Airport option. Uh, now, regrettably, we're stuck with more bad planning and perhaps the best we can do is limit fly zones mm -hmm. and times to minimise resident noise issues. Uh, if elected, I would always seek the botany option to mitigate noise issues in Western You'd still Sydney. push for the botany option even though we've sort of started on the airport down there? Yes, I mean, if we look at moving the, the container section to Newcastle, mm. um, we could have Badgerys Creek as like a part-time mm. uh, airport or we could restrict the fly times. Uh, well, that's, it wouldn't yeah, have to be 24-7. Yeah, that's... that's um, so obviously you don't obviously support it then without a curfew and a flight cap. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, because yeah, we, we're sort of they're looking at 24-7 at the moment and, you know, you'd want to be... You'd want to see a, a curfew put in. I do, and I just think it's more bad planning. Mm-hmm. And do you, her, I suppose the third part of her question was, uh, do you, the federal government approve the environmental impact statement for the airport without designated flight paths? Do you approve of that? No, I don't. And once again, they're not looking at everything they need to be. Mm -hmm. Finally, I know that um, Shooters, Fishers and Farmers are targeting about 20 conservative lower house seats, um, Hawkesbury obviously being one of them, in order to increase the party's presence in the parliament. Um, and when Mr Borsak was here during his visit for your launch, 
um, which was just recently. He rates the party's chances, I asked him. He said that they were pretty good across the state. How do you rate your own chances realistically in what's considered a pretty safe Liberal seat here in the Hawkesbury? How, I mean, I know that you guys are targeting the Conservative voting seats, obviously, yep. which this is one. Do you Are you going to take votes off Robin Preston? I think we are, absolutely. I think a lot of people think about the Liberal Party of the past and they reminisce about that. And the Liberal Party we have today is not the same Liberal Party. Uh, even uh, as close as John Howard, people still liked uh, John Howard's conservatism and that's all gone. Um, we're a conservative party and we're the viable option to the two major parties and I think we're going to be very successful. Do you think there will be a protest vote um, against the major parties or particularly with... You know, if people sort of remember Prime Minister swapping and all that kind of thing, do you think that that's going to translate down into state politics and, and will someone like you be able to, to, you know, gain some votes out of that as well? I, I think so. I think they're very disillusioned with the two major parties and I think uh, early polling has showed that there's a big swing away from the two major parties. Uh, and being a genuine representative, oh, there's a very good option um, for the people and I think we're going to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Well, that's all we have time for on today's podcast. Shane Jurek, Shooters, Fishers and Farmers candidate for seat of Hawkesbury, thank you very much for dropping in and telling us a bit about yourself today. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, that's the last of our candidates for the podcast. As they say in the industry, but wait, there's more. Next week, we're going to be joined by a representative from the New South Wales Electoral Commission who's actually going to explain exactly how this, how this whole shebang works. So what are preferences? Why are they important? Do you even have to mark preferences in a state election? And what happens if you don't vote? So join us next week for the picture behind the state election, uh, which should be pretty interesting and explain a few things to all of us, I think. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm Christina Pollard and uh, we'll talk to you next time.